0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Covenant Grace Church. As you know, we're in a series in Exodus called Freed to Follow. Last week, we looked at the first two commandments and we looked at the role of idolatry in our hearts and we looked at how uh, we never break commandments three through ten without first breaking the first two commandments and having idols in our hearts this week I'd like to zero in the, the fourth commandment and that's because in our post-sermon discussion we have these things called after parties and In our post-sermon discussion a lot of people have questions about the fourth commandment about practicing the Sabbath and uh, I'm not sure what your background is on that word Sabbath it might to you sound like a burden or a legalism but one of the things I want you to see first from our text is that to the original hearers of this commandment it would have sounded wonderful Guys, the Sabbath command sounded like a gift. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath command was a gift of rest. Look at verse 10. It says, on it you shall not do any work. It's a gift of rest. Remember, these people were slaves in Egypt for centuries. They were slaves just a couple months ago. And then they hear these words and they would have thought, that's awesome. Right? Imagine how those words would have been received by recently freed slaves. You are not allowed to work every day. You have to rest. Guys, that was not a bummer command to them. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt guilty when you've rested, when you've tried to rest? Right? They didn't have to feel guilty when they tried to rest. It was commanded. And you know the Lord also commanded all kinds of feasts and parties throughout the old testament Um, there were festivals and feasts and parties that they they had to do they had to stop and they had to have a feast and sometimes the lord there was even a threat of death like have this feast have a good time or you'll die (laughs) guys what does it say about the lord that he's the kind of god that insists that we stop and rest and have a good time what does that say about the kind of god he is As in the fourth commandment they were given the gift of a whole day of rest for both their bodies and their souls and they were commanded to give that rest to everybody in their society look at verse 10 it says on it you shall not do any work you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant your livestock or your sojourner that is within your gates the sabbath was a great social equalizer it was a gift that was given to everyone it was a gift of rest It's a gift of holy time. Look at verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The seventh day, and in verse 10, it says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Notice that this is a gift of holy time, not just a holy place. The Sabbath was created to be like a palace in time, like a location in time. Um, They were later given a temple, a holy place, but the Sabbath was a holy time, a palace in time, so that no matter where they were physically, even if they were really far from the temple, they could enter into the Sabbath as a palace in time and enjoy rest and communion with God. Anywhere they were, they could enter the Sabbath. The Jewish scholar Abraham Heschel, um, he wrote this, this beautiful little book, The Sabbath. He's not a Christian, but really beautiful little book about the Sabbath. And he says this, he says, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals, our holy of holies, a shrine that neither the Romans nor the Germans were able to burn. Isn't that amazing? Our Sabbaths are our great cathedrals, our holy of holies, a shrine that neither the Romans or the Germans were able to burn. No matter where they were, physically they could enjoy the sabbath for rest and worship it was a time to open themselves up to the presence of god it was a time to notice that he is here that god is present now the sabbath created a space to meet the lord you guys realize that the sabbath is the only spiritual discipline in the ten commandments Um, when you think of spiritual disciplines you think about things like bible study and Bible reading and prayer And giving and worship and service and one of them would be rest or Sabbath as spiritual discipline the Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline in the Ten Commandments why because it is a command that gave space to all the other disciplines it gave a space for all the other disciplines to live and grow and thrive you have to have you have to stop to be able to do those It was also the gift of savored time. Notice that this is the only of the Ten Commandments has an explanation. There's no explanation in the Ten Commandments about why you shouldn't lie or why you shouldn't murder, but there was an explanation for why to keep the Sabbath. Right? Look at verse 11. For in six days the Lord had made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Is a Sabbath. Was given because God rested on the seventh. So he worked six days, he rests on the seventh day. And God wasn't resting because he was tired, he was resting because he could stop and enjoy the goodness of what he had made. The Sabbath is a time to enjoy all that God had given them through their six day work week, to look back on the work week and think of all the goodness that God had given them in it. Uh, it was a time to savor the good gifts of God, a, a time to savor the goodness of life, to, to stop striving for more and start enjoying what you already have. A time that you shouldn't just kind of let slip between your hands, and, and, but you should stop and you should savor it and make it last as long as possible. So The Sabbath was a gift of rest, a gift of holy time, a gift of savored time. And then what's interesting is what happens in the New Testament. And this is probably what you're feeling as I'm talking about this. is Yeah, but what about now? What about for Christians? Now, when we come to the New Testament, we find something interesting about the apostles' teaching about the Sabbath. For example, the apostles never command Sabbath-keeping. And though we see the Sabbath mentioned throughout the New Testament, we never see it commanded. Which is interesting because the other nine commandments here are repeated in the apostles' teaching, all of them. And that's strange. Why would that be? Why would would the Sabbath command not be a repeated command? We're going to come back to that. But as you read through the New Testament from Acts forward, we find an interesting discontinuity between the Apostles' teaching and the Old Testament teaching about the Sabbath. First, we see that the Apostles seem to have set apart a different day for gathered worship. There seems to be a shift from the last day of the week, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sunday. For example, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, when it talks about them taking up the offering when they gather, it says that they did it on the first day of the week. Or in Acts 20, verse 7, it says on the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. And it talks about he preached it till midnight. So they gathered together to take the Lord's Supper, and it's on the first day of the week. Throughout Acts, you do see Paul going to the synagogue on the Saturday Sabbath, but he seems to always be going there for one purpose, evangelism. In God's providence, God had set it up so that when the gospel needed to go forth and be preached throughout the Roman Empire, there was already this synagogue system. That any town where there were Jews, there were synagogues. And Paul, being a Pharisee previously was able to come and speak he was a well-trained man and so when he would come to an area they'd be like hey you want to teach and be like sure and he'd teach about one thing one person jesus right and so he'd teach about jesus he'd get like one good preaching moment maybe multiple if they were open to that but every town he went to he preached in the synagogues on the sabbath day But the apostles seem to have gathered the church for worship on a different day the first day sunday which is huge when you think about that's a huge shift so for 1500 years or so god's people are gathering on a saturday and then suddenly the the new time to gather for worship is sunday the first day of the week it's a huge shift what happened well what happened was is that jesus was raised on a sunday on the first day of the week and that day that Jesus rose became that new day. That was the, the earthquake that happened in history that shifted their whole weekly calendar. And what's also interesting is that day had a different day. The Sunday, the first day of the, of the week, is never called the Sabbath in the New Testament. It seems that they probably called it the Lord's Day. In Revelation 1.10, you hear Paul talking, or sorry, John talking about how he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Whenever you see that word Lord in the New Testament, it almost always means Jesus. It was called Jesus Day, right? Because if you come back from the dead, we will rename that day, your name, Day. And so it was Jesus Day. Even though it was previously a day that the name was to honor the sun god, the early Christians said, nope, not sun god day. It's Jesus Day. So it's a different day. It's a different name. And there's a different stringency. We don't see the same stringent rules about how to observe the Sabbath in the New Testament. In fact, we're told not to judge each other on how we do it. Take a look at Colossians 2.16. It says this, Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or in regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to christ now when you compare that to the stringency of the old testament talk about the sabbath you're going to find paul shockingly loose here paul's teaching that the commandment to observe the sabbath is no longer something that should be binding on the conscience of christians he says a similar thing in romans 14 4 he says this who are you to pass judgment on your servant on the servant of another Is it before his own master that he stands or falls? And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than others, while another esteems every day alike. Each one should be convinced in his own mind. Now that seems shockingly loose when you compare it to the Sabbath commands in the Old Testament. And it's these passages, guys, that make me very non-dogmatic about how exactly you observe Sabbath rest. It's amazing to me how feisty people can be, especially online, about how the Sabbath is practiced today. And I want to say to those people, haven't you ever read Colossians 2 Romans 14? It seems that we are called to not at all judge one another in how we do Sabbath rest. Paul seems very clear on that. And so I'm not going to be dogmatic about when or how you apply Sabbath rest to your life the day you rest on or how you do it. Because of Colossians 2 and Romans 14, they teach that we ought not to bind one another's conscience in this area. So you might ask in response to that, well, does practicing Sabbath rest even matter then? And I would say, guys, absolutely yes. You were created with a need for one out of seven rest. Take a look at verse 11 again in in Exodus 20. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them And rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Guys, God rested one out of seven. God didn't need to rest, but he did. And then he made us to need to rest. Why? Because we're image bearers of God. And so we mirror him. And he, he put in us a need for one out of seven rests so that we'll mirror what he did in creation. Many of you have called just to talk about how things are going, you know, this stay-at-home order and then kind of now, whatever this is called that we're in now. But what surprised me is that many of you have reported great benefits to your family. And, and it's been interesting because we'll talk about it and you go, hey, you know, you know I kind of feel bad saying this, but some of this has been really good for us, right? And what I, I think could be going on here and what we call this the great pause, which people have called this, You might be experiencing Sabbath rest for the first time. That might be what that is, that might be what you're enjoying. A great pause from the constant running around, commuting, and doing kids' sports, or excessive shopping, or exhausting recreations, or just endless social gatherings. God has designed you with a need for rest, and what you might be experiencing is that rest for the first time. You've been designed to need one day out of seven for rest and if you don't take a day of rest, you're actually going against the grain of creation. And if you go against the grain, you will get splinters. You need planned, intentional rest. And we need it even more right now, guys. We live in a year that is probably going to end up being the most disruptive year that you've ever experienced. I was talking to a friend um, from our church this week. Um, he just wanted to talk about anxiety. And so we were texting and talking and, and he's been dealing with increased anxiety and, uh, I just talked about how this may be the most disruptive year we will ever experience. Think about the things that we're experiencing, social isolation, economic uncertainty, got institutional collapse. We have highlighted racial injustice. We have um, disruptions in how we do work. We have disruptions in how we do school. We have disruptions in how we have even observe milestones like birthdays and graduations and anniversaries. We have disruptions in just our everyday daily routines. We have disruptions in church. I mean, we haven't gathered together in a normal way in months, right? I mean, this is difficult. This is disruptive. What I'm doing right now is difficult, by the way. And I don't like to try and make myself the center of attention on things like this. I don't think that's the role of preaching. But just so you know, like preaching like this is very, very difficult, especially after you've done it week after week after week. There's something that's supposed to be kind of two-way about preaching. It's not really a conversation, but there is a conversational element where you see people's faces and there's a, there's a personal back and forth that should happen. This is difficult. Um, it's difficult not to have gathered in all this time to see each other's faces, and so we've got this disruption. <laughs> We're in a horribly disruptive time. Uh, socially isolated, economic uncertainty, institutional collapse—like all these things are going on. Right? You're you're being disrupted in your work and your school, and on top of that, with church. And then, in the middle of all this chaos, the Lord is saying to you, "Stop for a day and rest with me." Isn't that awesome? He says, stop for a day and rest with me. I mean, what a gift. Guys, were you a little bit jealous when I described the Sabbath that the Israelites were given? Were you a little bit jealous of that? Guys, you can have that. You can have a better one. You have a better one than they had. If you're going to thrive, guys, in this time, you're going to need a planned, intentional rest. And many of you guys aren't getting it, and it shows. In our house, one of my many roles is tech support. I'm the tech support. So when somebody has a tech problem, they come to me. My kids, my wife. I only have one trick. And it works almost every single time. And my trick is this. they come to me with something that won't work. And I say this. Did you try turning it off and turning it on again? That's my one trick. That's the only thing I got. It works almost every time. Guys, have you tried that with your life? (laughs) Have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? That's what Sabbath rest is about. And in the spirit of Colossians 2 and Romans 14, I'm not going to give you a long list of do's and don'ts for... And try and bind your conscience about how you keep your own Sabbath rest. But let me ask you a few questions to help you get you thinking. These are not do's and don'ts, these are questions. I'm just kidding, questions. Do you have a set weekly planned day of rest? Do you have one day out of seven where you enjoy the gift of rest, the gift of holy time, the gift of savored time? Question two: Do you guard it? Sometimes we have to guard it and we have to come up with weird ways to do that. I have sloth pajamas. I sometimes wear them to remind me that i'm resting that day because i'm obviously not working if i'm in the sloth pajamas do you plan for your day of rest do you guard it do you take care of chores beforehand or kind of write them down to do later or do you get your shopping done beforehand do you have a day of rest because a day off of work is not necessarily a day of rest it might just be a day of unpaid work which is not restful couples you're gonna to need to communicate to figure out a way that both of you can get real rest once a week. Don't assume it's impossible. I know a lot of you guys, initially when I say this, you're like, oh, it's not possible with me. I have small kids, I'm not able to do it, blah, blah, blah. Right? And I get that, I get that there are challenges. But listen, you need this rest. This Sabbath rest is a gift that God has given you. You should take it, you need it. And don't assume you can't have it. We're far more equipped to do this than ancient people. I mean, guys, we have machines that wash things for us. We have food that comes pre-made. Most of us do not have crops we have to worry about. So do you guard it? Do you have one? Does your day of rest really rest you body and soul? You might be resting, you might be laying on the sofa, but your soul is spinning in the day's news cycle. Does that leave you refreshed? Let me ask you about a few things you might want to cut out to give your soul some rest. Should you cut out email? Working from home means many of you work all the time, or at least you can think about work all the time. Is it restful for you to see that email from work, to know what work awaits you on Monday? Is there any point in looking at it if you're not gonna do anything about it on your day of rest? How about cutting out the news? Do you really want to spend your day of rest upset about what some politician said? What about social media? Maybe you should cut out social media on your day of rest. Does social media leave you feeling rested? Do you feel after an hour of social media more hopeful and at peace with what God has for you? My guess is no. What about mindless scrolling on your phone? It's amazing how you can scroll on your phone and an hour or two hours goes by. Guys, this is our day of rest. We want it to last as long as possible. I know for some of you that means turning off your phone and putting it away. You know, Maybe that's something you want to do. Does your day of rest open you up to the presence of God? Do you notice him and hear him more? For me, my day of rest um, either begins or ends with what we're doing right now. And it's built around that, right? Because worship tunes our hearts to the presence of God. Is your day of rest a kind of a palace in time where you enjoy God's presence? Guys, because we're new covenant people and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have access to a greater experience of the presence of God than they had. Do you experience your day of rest as a palace in time when you enjoy the presence of God? Uh, Another question, does your day of rest leave you more thankful and content? Savoring God's gifts from your six days of labor, right? Are you savoring the good gifts of your spouse or your kids or good food or just all the benefits God's giving you in life? Are you savoring life? Are you savoring the goodness of what God has given you? Does your day of rest feel like a gift? Do you, when you enter your day of rest, feel like a Hebrew slave who's been told you can't work today? A day of rest that's a gift, not a burden. Guys, the, the day of rest should be a climax of your week. It should be the destination of your week. The Israelites in Exodus 20, they were looking forward to the promised land. And one of the reasons they were looking forward to the promised land is because they knew that living in that land would mean rest, right? The Sabbath rest that they took along the way was a taste of that destination. And it is for us too. Let me ask you another question. What's keeping you from that kind of weekly rest? What's keeping you from that kind of weekly rest? Guys, we're restless, aren't we? We're restless creatures. Some of us found out exactly how restless we were when a couple of months ago, all of a sudden we were told, don't go anywhere, don't move, stay at home. The word Sabbath, Shabbat, means stop. And that stopping was torture to many of us, guys. Where does that restlessness come from? Guys, sin has made us restless, hasn't it? The African Bishop St. Augustine said this, to the lord you have made us for yourself O lord and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you isn't that true you have made us for yourself O lord and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you guys we were made to find our complete soul rest in the acceptance and love of the one who made us where else should we find it where else should we find rest except in the one who made us and feeling his love and his acceptance. But the story of the Bible tells us what's happened and why we're restless. It says that sin has alienated us from God. And we've gone looking for rest in other places, places that can't give us rest. We're seeking rest in the positive opinions of others. I can finally feel at rest if I know everybody's got a positive opinion of me. Or we seek rest in financial security, or we seek rest in looking our best or in not missing whatever great experience might be out there, or we seek rest in being well-traveled, or we seek rest in kind of that new romantic relationship, or we seek rest in having all the information we think we need, or we rest in entertainment and distractions and shopping. We try to rest in food and in drink. We try to rest in good grades and education and, and in our career. And we even try to rest in religious deeds And we try to seek rest in our own good works, and our own goodness. That somehow, if we could kind of be good enough, we'd find rest. And so we move from one thing to another. And guys, none of those created things will give us rest. I think you've found that by now. That no created thing will give us rest. Listen again to your African friend, St. Augustine, when he said that God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. That's where we need to find our rest. And sin has cut us off from him in that rest. But Jesus fulfills what the Sabbath commanded by giving us the rest back, right? Jesus gives us true rest, the true Sabbath. Remember Colossians 2.16? It said, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Jesus is the ultimate Sabbath. He gives us the true rest. The author of Hebrews says that the Sabbath is always pointed to Jesus and the rest he gives. Hebrews 4:8 says this: For if Joshua had given them rest, now Joshua is the one that brought them actually finally into the promised land, and the place that should be the rest, right? He said, if Joshua had given them rest, then God would not have spoken another day. Joshua couldn't, right? Because that land was not the, the true rest that they needed. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The true Sabbath rest that God's people needed wasn't to be found in that earthly promised land. And so Joshua could never give it to him. The promised land was a shadow, a pointer of the world to come. The place we're headed, the better land of rest. And so Jesus, guys, is the greater Joshua, leading us to the greater promised land, the world to come, giving us the greater Sabbath rest. Jesus gives true rest because he's already done all the work that's needed for us to enter the promised Land, right? That's why we have rest. Remember in the Sabbath they would look back at their six day work week and just enjoy all the fruits of their labor. We rest ultimately, not by looking back at our own works, we rest ultimately by looking back at Jesus's work week, not our own. We look back at Jesus's work week, not our own. Jesus did all the work for our salvation. He finished his work for us on the sixth day, right? A Friday. By dying on the cross for our sins. He finished his work on the sixth day. And he cried out at the end of the sixth day. He cried out aloud. It is finished. And then Jesus rested, right? He rested on the seventh day, the Sabbath. He rested in the grave. And then he rose again on the first day. A Sunday. A new creation week. The first day of a new week. A new week of creation. And you're a part of that new creation if you trust in him. Guys, you were made to find your complete rest in the acceptance of the love of the one who made you. And in Jesus, you have that. You have his complete love and acceptance. This is Jesus' invitation to you right now. No matter where you're at, whether you're a Christian right now or whether you're not a Christian, listen to this invitation that Jesus has for you to come to him and trust in him. He says this, Come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, the New Testament pictures all of us, all the people of God, all who have come to trust in Jesus as the people wandering in the wilderness. Hebrews talks a lot about this, but there's other passages in the New Testament that describe us like the Israelites in Exodus 20. Like them, we have taken shelter under the blood of the Lamb. Like them, we have been freed from the Pharaoh of this world. Like them, we've crossed the Red Sea from death to life through the waters of baptism. Like them, we have not yet arrived to the promised land. Like them, we're wanderers. We're wandering in the wilderness. Like them, we have a destination. We're refugees headed to a better country. As the church, we're like a refugee tent city uh, that's moving. On its way to the promised land in the world to come. And as each new person comes to put their faith in Christ, they join us on our ancient caravan. Like the Israelites, we need to stop together and we need to rest along the way, like we're doing right now. And when we do, we get a taste of the land we're headed to. It's a taste of the presence of God, who is our rest. Let's pray. Father, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you help us even now this morning to enter that rest help us to stop looking for rest in created things not even in our own goodness or our own works help us to stop with looking to ourselves and what we can do to be righteous to find rest help us to make jesus's work his work week his cross and resurrection his whole life lord Help that to be the work we we look back on and rest. Help that to be the work that our souls look back on and enjoy and rest in. Help us to meet you consistently in Sabbath rest, to savor you in your gifts, to be refreshed and thankful, spirit-filled people who are a blessing to everyone around them, uh, that we could be lights, Lord, to lead people back home to you to true rest. Thank you for being the God of true soul rest and satisfaction. God, help us to feed evermore on you, the only true food in the universe. Help us to drink only of you, the only refreshment in life. And we pray all this as your people in the name of Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, and all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.